Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, and Pastor Adam Osher continue their discussion on the Small Called Articles. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service to His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osier. All right, today we are picking up our conversation from last time, talking about the papacy. Talking about the papacy and how it relates to the modern American church. Now, certainly on the one hand, we don't want to deny that the Roman Catholic Church is still in a position of influence. There's still several million Roman Catholics uh, in the country, and certainly more than that around the world. You know, we still have entire continents that are predominantly Roman Catholic as far as their religious affiliation is concerned. But we would also see that in America and maybe in general, the, the influence, the power, and even the honor of the, the position itself uh, has, has waned in importance. And, and But what we want to see is that in generic American Christianity, the, the, we have just recreated the Pope writ small, you know, in a micro scale. Yeah, lowercase p, Pope. Yeah, yeah. And, and that most of the denomination of the, or the most of the doctrine, uh, denominationally speaking, of the office of the ministry ends up being a, a power play by many popes. Hmm. Yeah, well, before we really dive into that, that sounds very interesting. Uh, let's just start by uh, reading a section here from the Small Called Articles. They uh, in paragraph seven, they start off with an interesting question about... Uh, interesting uh, yeah, what if. Yeah, like a what if. What if this were to happen? So uh, let me read that for us as we get started today. Uh, so it says, suppose that the Pope would renounce the claim that he is the head of the church by divine right or by God's command. Suppose that it were necessary to have a head to whom all others should adhere in order that the unity of Christendom might be better preserved against the attacks of sects and heresies. And suppose that such a head would then be elected by men and it uh, oops, lost my place. And it remained in their power and choice to change or depose this head. This is just the way in which the Council of Constance acted with reference to the popes when it deposed three and elected a fourth. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, if, I, if I say the Pope and the See of Rome were to concede and accept this, which is impossible, he would have to suffer the overthrow and destruction of his whole rule and estate together with all his rights and pretensions. In short, he cannot do it. Even if he could, Christendom would not be helped in any way. All right. So what's your response to that paragraph, you guys? <laughs> My response to that paragraph is the official doctrine of the papacy is that the Pope is there by the command of Scripture, by divine right, by the authority of God, which is exactly why the, Cons Cons the, the Council of Constance elected three, deposed them, and then elected a fourth. <laughs> if there's anything that illustrates the doctrine of divine right, it's electing three popes, changing your yeah. mind, and then getting a fourth in there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes God's indecisive. Yeah. You know, maybe he just wasn't quite sure and, you know, working through those. I'm just trying to put the most charitable construction on this, Jason. I don't know what I'm saying. Go I'm ahead. Just, I just don't have a vested interest in being charitable here, which is why we're reading Lutheran, not Melanchthon. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, but, you know, this this does make for a very interesting what if scenario. Ooh. What if the Pope were to renounce? And Luther answers that, yeah, guys, not going to happen. Right. Yeah. I can't wait till we get to a point in the, in the show where we can push those bu 
buttons and not giggle like school children. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, like, like we're still not used to the awesome Christmas uh, present that we got. Uh, yes, uh, we've been clamoring for it for so long. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No, that you're right, and and I think maybe part of the problem is. You know, once you have all this this power, you know who who would want to give that up? Who's going to give it back? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's I brought Pope up Benedict the Sixteenth. Yeah, that's who. <laughs> the guy who retired as Pope and said, "All right, you guys figure it out." Yeah. <laughs> where do where do popes retire to? There's a, an apartment, a papal apartment nearby in the Vatican that he lived the rest of his days in. Why do I know that? I, I don't know. <laughs> so I, they're, they're, he's not going to like the papal sunset estates. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah, he was going to retire to his books. Yeah, it would be super awkward. I, I cannot imagine being the Pope, having that much power, and looking at the next guy being like, "Oh, come on, idiot!" You know, like stop it. But he's yeah. there playing shuffleboard with all the other retired popes, uh, wow, wow. which there are none of them. Yeah. Jason, he's by himself we're, playing shuffleboard. We're, we're we're devolving into uncharitableness, but yeah. it's funny uncharitableness, but it's still uncharitable. So yeah, but you, this one question, right? Yeah. Knowing sinful human nature, right. who gives up that much power? And the answer is you don't. Mm-hmm. And once you seize power yeah. for yourself, you don't give it back unless it's taken by force. Right. And, and I hate to say it, but you know you, you see that in uh, governments and yeah. uh, you know government officials and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, and maybe that it's part of the human nature there. But it, it's kind of an interesting. Well, yeah, but, go but ahead. Part Adam. of the problem yeah. is is the human nature hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the point. It's like becoming pope doesn't make him perfect. He's still a man, and, and that's that's just proving the point even more. Right? I mean, he he doesn't change. The reason that he wouldn't want to give that up is because he has not changed. He has fundamentally not changed. He's still human, still with a a sin nature, still with uh, the imperfect old nature that he wrestles with. Presuming, you know, he, he's, you know, even saved, right? And, and so you have all of this idea that, yeah, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm good now. And this is just what God has called me to be. There's there's a lot there. There's a lot of avenues we can go with that. But that's one of he's the big ones. He's basically Boromir from the Lord of the Rings. He's just unfit to carry the one <laughs> ring of power into Mordor yeah. and, and to burn it in the fires of Mount Doom because of his human nature, right? Yeah. We need a hobbit to be the Pope. Mm. <laughs> nice. Uh, but no, you're, <laughs> you're you're exactly right with that, uh, and, and and this is part of the objection, right? And and we established last week that Scripture doesn't prescribe it, that it, it, Peter can't be the Pope when Jesus is the better option to build the church now. But even any logical flow of what's going on here doesn't lead us to the office of the papacy. And in fact, what we see that it's even in areas of the church where the papacy has been rejected, we end up setting up little tiny popes, Mm -hmm. right? And so you go to big box or big Eva American Christianity, where you have entire denominations or groups of churches built around a personality. And sooner or later, that person, whether in practice or an actual declaration, his word becomes the same as scripture. They need to be, they need to quit being so Catholic. Well, that's the, 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 <laughs> I, I've said it multiple times on this podcast is if you explain to uh, an American evangelical exactly how Catholic they are, yeah. their heads would explode. Hmm. But when the problem is in Protestantism after the Reformation, Roman Catholicism, Roman Catholic practice was rejected. And that's where you get that's too Catholic. So they, they rejected the form and the function of what was going on without 
rejecting the doctrine. And so what you have now is a lot of little tiny microscopic denominations that are reinventing Roman Catholic theology that was refuted and rejected by the Reformation. And and we should always say when someone says that's too Catholic, that should always be pointing to doctrine or not at all. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not just it's not just pastors that can be accused of that. You know, it's it's church boards even. It's it's individuals within, you know, a church family where kind of overseeing their own kingdom and right. fiefdom. And, and, yeah. And it it's it, it, we're not going to get into this now cuz there's some things coming up in which we'll we'll talk more about our our AFLC, our our Free Lutheran Church polity. Uh, a little bit more, but especially in our congregational polity, we are at risk of things like this. We are at risk of of overinflating council positions to mean that this is somehow my own little fiefdom or my own little my my own little arena that I get to control now. And you know, putting your foot down in in areas just because. Uh, you you feel like you have been called to this, and therefore your decision must be the right one, you know. And, and there's there's a lot of that that goes on, and it's unhealthy. You see churches destroyed over this, and it, just the whole idea when we insert anything but Jesus into the church, it's almost like it doesn't work. Yeah, and when Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world," that applies just as much to the local congregation as it does to the whole body of Christ in the church universal. Right? It's that there is no temporal power to be had in the church. And if there is, you're doing it wrong. And so whether Mm. it's a pastor, whether it's a personality, whether it's a council who basically runs the church by, I have the microphone and you will listen to every word I have to say sort of authority Mm -hmm. is you're missing the mark of what the church is about. The marks Mm -hmm. of the church are uh, the word and the sacraments, the Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. And it's it's that mission. And and you got to be careful. I'm, I'm always a little hesitant to speak of church like this. We do have mission, obviously. We have the, the scriptures which give us a mission, the Great Commission, etc. I don't like to talk about the church like a business, but when but I'm, gonna <laughs> but I'm going the to church. anyway. <laughs> the um at the end of the day, we have a mission as a church. And when we lose sight of what that is, when we lose sight of, of what we do, the, the whole institution fails, right? And, and that's what's happening. When we become little lords of our own you know, kingdoms, when we get into power and start thinking about us, we've, lost, we've entirely lost sight of, of the mission and we've turned into those bent on self-preservation. And, and th- then... It becomes operation based on fear, based on insecurity, based on all of our old nature things. When God says, I have set these in place, I have set these structures, whatever your structure is, whatever your church polity looks like, I've set these in place to serve one purpose, and that's word and sacrament being proclaimed and administered rightly. But this goes back to what I was talking about, what I introduced last week, right? Is we said all this, and it's well and good, but what we're desperate to do in our sinful nature is if we establish that end of things, we're going to try as hard as we can to fall off the horse in the other direction and say, okay, no organization, no Hmm. outward structure in the church. And we're not rejecting that, right? right? And and that's where you can talk about, yes, the church is not a business, but it is an external organization, right? We need structure. We need the church to function. We actually need responsibility and authority to find because we don't want it to be anarchy. We don't want it to be chaos. And and to use business language, it has a mission, a vision, and values. Yeah, And And, and, and that's 
really true. I mean, yeah. it, I, I yeah. don't like those aren't biblical. What well, mission is kind of, uh, but vision and values, you know, can be construed a little bit um, in, inappropriately. But there is there's a mission, there's a vision, there's values that has to be the center. Not any one person, not anybody's power, not any secure uh, security of one position. And, and it happens all the time. You're right. And, and to that extent, I think we should qualify because this is someplace uh, where I really hesitate because I don't think there's a real place in the body of Christ for every congregation to have a unique mission statement as if we're... That's not what I'm yeah. talking about. But there, there is a place to say the mission of the church is, in fact, the Great Commission, that, that the church is yeah. a disciple-making enterprise, right? Right. And the vision of the church is that we want the gospel to go to the four corners of the globe, right? Judea, Samaria, uh, and to the ends of the world, right? That's the, the vision that, that we would be the city on the hill that God has called us to be. And the values of the church, word and sacrament, right? right. We have the keys of the kingdom as expressed in law and God. Right. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. I don't think, and, and it's it's not, you know, each church, if they want to unite under that, it has to be the same mission, right? It, it's all, if you're going to have a church mission statement, each congregation, that sort of thing, it has to be a variation of that very thing. <laughs> it's yeah. the Great Commission, right? To make disciples of all nations. And, and that's, um, you know, through the proclamation of the word and, and sacrament. And so, I fully agree with what what you're saying, Jason. I, I and and I think, but as as God lays out His Word, He gives all of those those things: the mission, the vision, the values. It's there for us. That's the thing to follow, and it's so easy to fall off of that. Yeah, that and, mm-hmm. track. The reality is, God defines what the mission, vision, values. If we're going to use that language for the outward structure of the church, right? But what you end up then is you have a bunch of tiny little churches convincing themselves that they're accomplishing God's mission by redefining it into something else. And all they end up, it, it, I always chuckle when I see these random little mission statements and bulletins of churches that I visit. And, and I go into a weird amount of non-Lutheran churches simply because of our homeschool stuff. When you visit our church? No. Yeah, yeah. Solid rock. You know. No, but like, yeah. you know, like I, I go into some church homeschool things and, yeah. and other reasons you, you visit them. Yep. And, and these churches, their logos or their, their, their mottos, uh, it, it sounds like, you know, like every little small town in the upper Midwest has a motto printed on a church sign and are on the sign welcoming you to the the town and you know you're in a small town when there that sign exists mm-hmm. it's like Minneapolis is like hey Minneapolis we're here get mm-hmm. over it you know and you, you go to like we'll say Springfield cuz i think there's a Springfield in every state right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the the heart of the prairie yeah. welcome <laughs> to Springfield or you know something you know ridiculous like yeah. that that i mean it's like your your church is trying to justify its existence yeah and you don't need to because the blood of Christ justifies your existence. Right. right. Yeah. And so, you know, for these guys dealing with the Pope here, you know, they they saw how far off track it was getting with the papacy you know, to the point of, and we'll probably talk about this more, you know, thinking of, of equating him to the Antichrist. The Antichrist? Christ, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but at least the spirit of the Antichrist uh, yeah. there. No, and, no. And, and we, we ought not... To dull that accusation, and we'll get there when we get yeah, to the treatises. Right. Uh, yeah. I, when when uh, Philip 
calls Pope the Antichrist, we ought not to qualify that statement. We should lean full into that because it allows us to clarify what we mean. It allows us to look at, you know, we are not calling the Pope Nikolai Carpathia. Okay? <laughs> that's not what we're doing here. There's a real reason why, yes. you know, so yeah, th- that's one of my soapboxes, right? But yeah, it's, it's we want to be careful with how we talk about this, yeah. but if we do it for the right reasons, the truth gets proclaimed. Right. Yeah, I felt I felt like I, that's where that's where I was lost in the Left Behind series is when Nikolai Carpathia was a political leader. He was the Antichrist, but the Pope only got to be the false prophet. So I was disappointed. I was like, well, that's not real Lutheran. So I put the book down and I stopped yeah, that reading. Was, that, that. That, was the, that was the straw that broke the that camel's back. That was the straw that broke the camel's oh, back. Funny. It wasn't yeah. the point where they where they suddenly realized after 2,000 years of archaeology that they had got the site of the Temple Mount wrong. So then the Jews rebuilt the temple. I was, I was reading that. I was like, oh, really? That's where we're going to go with this. Well, and when, and when one of the two witnesses, it was, you know, Moses and Elijah. Yeah, and they it was were Moshe. I remember it was like Dwight Schrute's brother's name. Mose. <laughs> Mose. <laughs> Mose. Well, I was thinking it should have been Martin Luther. And I thought, again, yeah, again failure. What yeah. is wrong with them? It's very obvious the two witnesses are Luther and Melanchthon. Uh, Jerry, yes, yes, Jerry B. Jenkins, go. if you're listening, please forgive yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of pick up here. You know, answering the question that they posed, what if the the Pope were to, you know, renounce all this? Uh, He says in paragraph eight... Uh, there would be even more divisions than before, nope. um, and and maybe maybe this is a place for just saying, you know, I know a lot of people clamor for Christian unity, uh, you know, among like an outward unity among the church, but maybe denominations are a good thing. They're good and bad, yeah, right, because they're 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 amoral, mm-hmm. right. So first thing we want to clarify here is this is another point to to plant our our flag in the sand of Luther always saw the Roman Catholics of his day as the splinter. That Luther always considered what he did and what the Lutherans were remaining doing faithful. as remaining faithful to the historic church. And so this whole business that Luther was starting something new and then gave everyone else permission to starting something new, is a wrong way to look at the Reformation, right? He always considered the Roman Catholics as the splinters, all right? So now let's look at this in total. What, what would happen if, if, if we got rid of the Reformation? What, what would this look like? And, and, and the problem with this is that outward unity always comes at the expense of internal unity. Yeah. Always, 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 yeah. always, because someone's always giving something up. And so in, in the way that denominations are good is that there are different ways to understand the scriptures, and we should have the freedom to say, this is where my conscience leads me. And I should be able to worship with people that more or less agree, which also that's the other side of the coin of the creeds and confessions, right? Is that we have the creeds and confessions to help frame what we believe about things we shouldn't have to reinvent ourselves. The problem with denominations and why people, why it's chic to criticize denominations is that you get down to churches of one where, uh, man, everyone for 2000 years has gotten this wrong and boy, <laughs> isn't Jesus lucky that I'm on his team now and have this whole thing figured out. Yeah. And, and that is used as a straw man to criticize denominations. You know, some, uh, our denomination, uh, denomination exists almost entirely ethnically is that we have a specific heritage and a specific flow of Scandinavian American Christianity. We aren't saying, look, we're the ones, the first ones to get this right, but, but that's why we exist. And I think that's just fine. It's just fine that the Missouri Synod has come out of a mostly ethnic German context and things like that. But uh, on the other hand, you get to places like Westboro Baptist because no, you got it wrong. I'm starting a new church and 
you know, the only, the, there's only 12 people in the, all of church history that figured out what God was teaching us. Yeah. 12 people. Yeah. It, I, you, it was an unfortunate number. Well, I think, well, I think it was though, wasn't it? It was, I think it had dwindled down to something like 12 and, and yeah, there was, yeah. Well, the whole family of Westboro Baptist, I forget what the guy's name, Fred. Yeah. Oh, Phelps. Fred, Fred Phelps. Phelps yeah. The my, Phelps family divided. Brett remembers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Big Being follower. the only one in this room who has been protested <laughs> by Westboro Baptist, Brett yeah. Bowe knows firsthand about Westboro Baptist. Which is hilarious because that's an episode. That should be a special bonus we episode. A, yeah. Tell Brett us Bo. about the time when th- Westboro Baptist. I'm almost certain we talked about it in an episode. Tell us about oh, the time yeah. when, when the guy dressed as Jesus danced across the front lawn of your church. Unforgettable. <laughs> day. Yeah. Wow. But I, I'm also a little bit jealous, a little bit of breaking the ninth and 10th commandments that I'm not Lutheran enough to have Westboro Baptist <laughs> protest me. I'm yeah. a little bit bummed by that. No, uh, it, it, I say this, and this is a little bit inside baseball. This is where I was going. Yeah, 12 people in Westboro. Right? But we, this is a little inside baseball, but you know, we're, not, we're more than just ethnically, you know, you know, Scandinavian. We did kind of you know, begin based on a refusal to merge into a unity. I mean, we don't want to... I mean, the Lutheran Free Church yeah. not merged. Yeah, the Lutheran Free Church hyphen not merged. Uh, you know, real attractive, drew a lot of people. Um, but no, ultimately there is. There is a place where you can say, I'm not... I'm. We refuse to go that direction. And it wasn't so much, in our case, I don't think a, a set of, you know, this is how I want to do things. It was, uh, we're standing on the word of God. And, and so we got to be careful in, in how we talk about that because it can go both ways. Absolutely. The whole idea of, of, you know, selfish ambition, personal mission, whatever it might be, all can play. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's, you know, we're just, we're going to stick with what scripture says and we're not going to move along with the trend to depose it. And, and if we're, if we're going down names like the all name Mount Rushmore, not only have the Lutheran Free Church not merged, which I think it's great that you would be the dean of the LFC and MBC, <laughs> potentially just rolls right off the tongue. But before that, 60 years before that in Norwegian Lutheran history, you also had the group called the Anti-Missourian Brotherhood. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, kids, yeah. just remember, always right. stand for something. Don't stand against something. Yes. Yeah, kind of that's thing. right. But yeah. So we, well, we have that weirdness. And yeah, there there is a point to stand on truth yeah. and allow a fracture to happen in yep. the name of truth or to obstinately say my way or the highway. You know, the, 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 that's two directions from the same starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe we should wrap this up here. I, I like how paragraph nine kind of concludes this. It says, consequently, the church cannot be better governed and maintained than by having all of us live under one head, Christ, and by having all the bishops equal in office. However, they may differ in gifts and diligently joined together in unity of doctrine, faith, and sacraments, prayer, works of love, etc. I'll just stop there. I, I like a, that. That's good. That's a, yeah. it's something we can all celebrate. Yay. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening and thanks for putting up with us. And uh, catch us next time as we uh, head into the scriptures. An Old Testament. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Do you know a student who would benefit from the training at the Free Lutheran Bible College? 
encourage them to apply at flbc.edu. Applications are open for both fall of 2023 and 2024. Start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. 